Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Maggie. This is Ian. And today we have another holiday special episode for you as we cover the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special. Yeah, as you can uh, hear, the turns have tabled and I am doing background this week, so I don't know if Maggie should be excited or scared, but she just walked off an airplane, so I'm not sure she's <laughs> so I'm excited. Uh, awake enough to like, care that much. <laughs> I know, I felt kind of bad. I texted you and I was like, I just got home, have to like wrap up work really quickly and then watch the special and I don't have time to do background. I was like, can you please? So thank you. And let me tell you, one, you're welcome. And two, there was a surprising amount of interesting stuff with this one. I kind of had a feeling that like there was going to be some fun tidbits. So then I also, as I was like, uh, sound checking and everything, I didn't Google anything. So I get to be surprised this time. Sweet. So as uh, I would really expect most of our listeners, especially in the U.S., to know, the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special is a 1964 stop-motion animated Christmas special. Uh, It aired on December 6th, 1963, and has been honestly airing continuously ever since, making it the longest-running TV special in the U.S., which honestly... Sorry, did you say it was from 64 but ran in 63? Jesus Christ, Ian, did you just do a typo? You just did a typo. Shit. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. Remember in our, I'm pretty sure in our Silence of the Lambs episode, I said that the movie was like from 1982 at one point and you were like, hold up. Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely 64, not 63. Sorry about that. So anyway, rocky start now. (laughs) Um, But one thing that I did not know is that the song that we all know and love, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which this was based on, was actually based off a poem by Johnny Marks, the songwriter's brother-in-law. Robert L. May. So it's like a, a chain of like derivative works to get us to this point. Oh, that's cool. It's that connected. Cause I had that thought while watching it where I was like, wait, was this the special that the song came from? But I was like, no, it so clearly follows the song that like, surely the song came first, but if so, like, where does the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer come from? I was I started to spiral and then I was like, you don't have time. Get yourself together. It's time to record. Well, there you go. Happy to dispel your anxiety with that. Um, So the special stars uh, Burl Ives as our narrator, Sam the Snowman. Um, Ives was actually added towards the end of production um, for some name recognition because the remainder of the cast um, are lesser known Canadian actors that they used um, for a variety of reasons. Primarily, they were cheaper um, in Toronto. So uh, Billy Mae Richards uh, voices Rudolph. Larry Mann voices Yukon Cornelius and Paul Souls voices Hermie. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, the kind of radio special culture was still going fairly strong in Canada at that time. So it meant that they did have kind of a larger talent pool to pull from. Um, so, yeah, kind of a fun little connection with with Canada there. Well, and I was at some points I was like, I feel like I know these voices, but I didn't recognize the names. And then I was like, do I actually know these voices from like other stuff or have I just watched the special so many times in my life? It's probably that. <laughs> um, but it also, I mean, no fault of your own, like Billy Mae Richards was credited as Billy Richards, Billy with a Y, not Billy with an IE, to make it seem like a man had voiced Rudolph for, you know, whatever bullshit 1960s reason. Um, so there, there was a little bit of ambiguity, shall we say, with that role. I'm rolling my eyes because it is not at all unusual in animation for women to voice like young male characters. Oh, totally agree. So anyway, now the special really truly was an international affair. So the animation itself was actually done in Japan at MOM Productions um, and they used this trademark Animagic process. Uh, Couldn't find too much information on that, but it's a technique for animating stop motion um, films. Um, And so that particular studio and the animators involved actually did work with the producer from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on several other projects in the 60s. So um, apparently a fairly common thing to do there and i think i seem to recall like disney doing something similar with um one of their like late 80s films with 
Japanese animation technology, like um, uh, the something in the cauldron, dragon in the cauldron. Oh, uh, the black cauldron. Black cauldron. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, you you caught me out in my ignorance. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's it's like one of the least well known, but it's like surprisingly dark, but also good. Um, yeah. So was this? This was like the first one of these like. 60s 70s like stop motion specials that i think probably like a lot of us watch right like there was frosty um i feel like there was a jack frost one at some point there was they span honestly well i'm I'm gonna say more loosely into the late aughts um because I, fe- I feel like once you get after a certain point the animation style is not quite consistent but it's the same sort of like yeah. you know christmasy vibe um but yeah frosty the snowman santa claus is coming to town here comes peter cottontail like a bunch of different specials um but honestly more in the 70s than in the 60s which i found a little bit surprising yeah i guess yeah rudolph now i've just pulled up a timeline it seems to predate the next one by like several years so that's interesting um i love this special like i imagine many of our listeners like my family ended up watching it pretty much every year, not like appointment viewing necessarily, but it was always just like on at some point. It's super charming. It's a little less than an hour. So it's like so easy, really good, especially for younger children. Um, And I just find the style so incredibly charming. And like one, I, I just really love stop motion. I also love like the character models. I think they have just like a wonderful, like, texture to them that comes across through like film, which is, yeah, which is (laughs) really fun. Um, and then the other part that I think is so interesting, and this would be very much in contrast to nightmare before Christmas, which we covered in our previous holiday special, but, um, the sets in this one are very sparse, uh, very sparse, very simple, very geometric in shape. Uh, no any sort of background or map painting. It's clearly just like a white background that's been lit in different ways, depending on like mood and time of day and all of that. Um, but I love it. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because I had a very similar thought when it came to the actual animation style. And there were specific points in there where if I compare it to say any of the Leica studio films, like the level of polish and the ambition with the animation going on at any one point in time is so much higher in those later productions than it was in this like earlier one. Is like is Leica Wallace and Gromit? Uh I don't think so, what but is, they did like Coraline and Kubo in the Two Strings and Paranorman okay, and gotcha. Box Trolls. Yeah. Um gotcha fantastic highly emotional totally worth watching films like oh my god it's it's yes. that's how you make me cry um <laughs> i just other didn't things. know the studio so yeah they're oh, they're so good um but yeah so going back to the character model thing i there is an interesting kind of like film preservation issue around this because They really didn't know that it was going to blow up and become such a cultural touchstone. So most of the puppets were kind of lost or given away and used as toys and found in attics and all of this. Very uh, Toy Story, Woody's Roundup. Toy Story 2, Woody's Roundup. Um, Also, it makes me think of a lot about like that early film when they would just like melt down and reuse like film. And so you have all of these movies that like were lost or only parts of them remain unless like someone just happens to find an old print somewhere. Yeah. So I, I know there is one Santa and one Rudolph puppet that got quite a bit of attention at one point, but ultimately they were found to be like more of a promotional sort of puppet. So it wasn't used in any of the actual filming. It was more of a, here's what we're going to use to take photos for promotional material, that, that sort of thing. So, um, but there are some some places. And I think at one point they were actually at the Center for Puppetry Arts here in Atlanta. So um, it's kind of cool. It's very cool. So last little bit I do want to talk about is some of the versioning that you might see throughout the years. So I definitely remember when I watched it as a child, the fame and fortune song that Rudolph and Hermie sung. Um 
that has since been replaced with the original. <laughs> We're a couple of misfits. So um, I definitely watched the streaming version that um, I believe you can get on, you know, well, purchase on or rent on any of the the major streaming services. Um, and that definitely had the we're, we're a misfit, um, a couple of misfits. Yeah, that's what I had, too. And I don't remember Fame and Fortune song. So now <laughs> I need to pull up YouTube really quickly. I only remember we're a couple of misfits because I love the symmetry of it. Hold on. It's good. What is it? Rudolph? There were a couple other like minor edits for time. So like the peppermint mine scene was cut at one point. So we're like, why is Cornelius tasting his pickaxe? But, you know, it still doesn't make sense until he's like, I found a peppermint mine. It's what I've been looking for until I literally forgot about that and have a note earlier in my book. That's like, I love that he can taste gold or silver in the ground. I mean, Cornelius I'm, is hands down my favorite character. So I'm going to I'm going to watch this uh, song. OK, I think I remember this song. Yeah. <laughs> I need to actually listen to it because it's been a minute. It's a bop. Well, I, I definitely think it's good, but I, I like you mentioned. I like the misfits more. Yeah, because it you you have the two like separate events that are managing to come together in this one yeah. like unifying i don't want to call it a meet cute because that's not the right term but like it's a friendship meet cute it, it's it is fine. a friendship meet cute <laughs> i um yeah because well and i like i do like the misfit songs because you have of course Hermie sings the first version of it in his workshop before he runs away and then you have rudolph singing the version of it himself and his breaks my heart before he runs away so then i like them coming together to sing it yeah i will say i i remember this special wrecking me emotionally as a child me too i remember it feeling so tense at certain points that we will talk about i remember crying at multiple points and yeah i was like this special <laughs> got me as a child <laughs> So watch notes. We have a frame story. How do you feel about well, this? First, Maggie? we start with a newspaper montage. OK, well, you feel positive. Always makes me happy. <laughs> um, how do I feel about the frame, frame story? So here's my thing is that it's not necessarily that I hate the concept of a frame story. What I hate is that they are so often used when they're not necessary and they're not adding anything additional to the story. I think because this is only a little hour long special and like. I don't know. I, I'm fine with it here. I like Sam the Snowman. I think he's very charming. I think he has some really great songs. Um, and I'm like cool with him as our narrator since, like I said, he's he's a good narrator and it kind of moves the story along, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. I think it because it's given in this kind of storybook frame it feels natural to have a narrator to me. And I mean, it's it's essentially like family biasing toward kid TV. So, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's like kind of the, he as a narrator, he's kind of his own character. It, you know what it feels more like? It feels less like uh, Robert the Bruce narrating Braveheart and more like a Lemony Snicket type thing. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. Where like the narrator themselves is a character mm -hmm. like unto themselves and kind of the way they tell the story and they kind of are sharing some of their thoughts on it too and that being part yeah. of it. A dashingly dressed narrator, I have to say. As the best are. Oh, yes. And I, I really love the way he was animated moving through the snow and he kind of like pushed it aside. It was It was really cool to see. So we do get a slew of character introductions like Santa and Mrs. Claus. Um, I'll hold off a little bit, but controversial opinion. Santa's the villain of this story. Santa and Rudolph's dad are both villains and I will not hear otherwise. <laughs> Agreed. Also hate Donner. But here's my thing with Santa. Santa sets the tone for Christmas Town. And he mm, said he a is the bad fucking tone. Yes, Santa is the system here. And he was given multiple opportunities to set a good tone to this system and to, you know, admit mistakes. And he didn't really. And I'm mad at him for that. And we will bring up every point at which he fails this poor young reindeer. I will say that you, you getting into that, they're watching this as an adult there is a little bit of 
what I would view as kind of a queer overlap with the misfit cast out sort of thing. It also helps that Hermie is arguably coded kind of (laughs) gay, but I I always read Hermie as more asexual. Like literally his only thing is that he wants to be a dentist. Yeah, but that floopy, floopy, flippy. What word am I trying to say? His little flippy front hair and the fact he shacks up with Cornelius the bear when they go to Palm Springs. Like, I, (laughs) sorry, that's that's going off the deep end. I was Um, (laughs) I just had a moment where I was like, when in the movie do they go to Palm Springs? No, the Isle of Misfit Toys is Palm Springs. (laughs) (laughs) I. To be clear, I was on a plane not that much longer ago, and I ended up getting to the airport really, really early because <laughs> you don't you don't have to justify it. This is comedic gold. <laughs> but um, I will. I think I actually had a comment about that with um, Hermes model, because when he is introduced, he is with all the other elves and they're. But, but they're all dressed the same. So mm-hmm. like having he's the only one who has hair showing under his cap and he's the only one who has like the full eyes and not just dots. So I think that also just like very visually sets him apart. Um, yes, I love Hermie. Yeah, I do, too. And honestly, I think that is part of the magic of this kind of misfit storyline is that you can project your own life experiences and how you view that sort of theme onto these characters to some extent. Um, so yeah, for sure. Everyone, everyone, well, not everyone. I'm sure there are people who are like, I've never felt like a misfit in my life. What a blessed existence, which same. No, I'm just kidding. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) But yes. So do we want to talk first more delve into that Rudolph intro? First off, fuck Donner. It's it was filmed in the 60s. I toxic masculinity all wrapped up in a package with Donner. I mean, you remember the coach. The coach also had that like vibe going. They all did. Also, justice for quote, Mrs. Donner never gets her own name. Just Mrs. Donner. She's but a Rudolph incubator, Maggie. But I do have I mean, basically, I do have a note later. Oh, because when Donner like goes off to search for Rudolph, he's like, no, stay. It's man's business. And then I love how immediately after it's like, so Mrs. Donner and Clarice went off to search <laughs> yeah. for Rudolph. And I was like, good on them. Oh, yeah. There were enough lines in there just to make me like give a little bit of side eye. But there's a line, too. And it always catches me off guard. It's when um, uh, after kind of the climax of the film when they just they're like they decided it was best to get the women back to Christmas town. <laughs> I was Where like, the fuck did that line come from? What? Like it's not best to just go back to Christmas town because you're in a fucking abominable snowman cave. Like what? And they also have nowhere else to go. <laughs> like I, yeah, I also had a moment where I was like, why specifically just the women do we need to get them back to Christmas town? Especially because Donner's like on the team that pulls the sleigh and it's Christmas Eve. So actually, if anyone's on a tight schedule to get back to Christmas Town, it's Donner. Correct. I, yeah, I got nothing for you. I don't know why. That line just, it always gets me every single time. I'm like, hey, hold up, what? To be fair, though, if I am ever out in the tundra and someone looks at me and they're like, I think it's best if we get you back to Christmas town. I won't be fighting them on it. I will also think it is best to get me back to Christmas town. So <laughs> that's very fair. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it was kind of fun to see the, well, fun is maybe not the right word, but I think very effective to see like, Oh, here is how things work in Christmas town. The sleigh driver, runner, polar, polars, sleigh polars, the reindeer. The team. The uh, thank you, the sleigh team, sleigh team, <laughs> sleigh, um, <laughs> um, like n- n- having their kids grow up and telling them about the dangers of the abominable snowman and all that. It's it it's fun to watch, and the animation, like, admittedly, is good, even if it is kind of, um, you know, like an earlier version of what we think of as stop motion. Again, though. I love it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's not the most fluid, but I think that's part of its charm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we also are establishing that like, yes, it is the highest honor to pull Santa's sleigh. And this thing of like, 
the reindeer who do pull the sleigh like really want their kids to be on the team. Like there is that like familial pressure. Um, and for some reason, having a shiny nose means you can't be on the team, even though it literally has nothing to do with the physical ability to pull the sleigh and later will actually be a help with pulling the sleigh. But I was like sitting there. I was like, why does this disqualify? Wow, Matthew, why are you spitting these spoilers? Well, there's a whole song that I'm pretty sure we all learned in elementary school <laughs> that spoils it for us. But they as as they move into like childhood, we do get the elf song scene confused the hell out of me. I loved how Santa was over it, but I also was like, why why do we need this other than Arguably, I know the spectacle for the TV special. Oh, you're right. It's elf practice. (laughs) I love that they call it specifically elf practice, which implies that singing to Santa is like an inherent thing to being an elf, but that it also does not come naturally and you have to practice it. (laughs) Um, I do love that Hermie is missing it because he's playing with dolls pretending to be a dentist. Uh, We love that for him. I I also loved all the little flubs in the actual number, like dropping the baton or having to cut off the little flowers from one of his hat. Yeah, Yeah. the the feather, not the flowers. Um, If you can't tell, I'm also a little bit tired. It's been a long. You got off a mental airplane not too long ago. (laughs) Exactly. I I might still be on that mental airplane. We'll see. (laughs) I'm going to need you to land for the rest of this episode, please, or at least. Uh, put on the seatbelt sign. Um, <laughs> seatbelt is securely fastened. Don't worry. <laughs> I have inserted the metal tip into the buckle. <laughs> Thank you. We will not be continuing cabin service at this moment. But Santa's like over it. Santa, and I okay. love this characterization of him as the villain. See, yes, because like Santa, once again, like you're the head of Christmas town. All you do is Christmas. And I can understand that you might get a little tired of that, but you are the head honcho. You are the head honcho at Christmas. They're doing this for you. Like, at least stop rolling your eyes at your workers who I bet you underpay and I bet are not unionized. In other words, don't be a dick. Yes. Don't be a dick, Santa. He's a dick the entire movie to everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, Mrs. Claus is nice about it, at least. She's like, no, keep it the same. It's fine. But like. I feel like Mrs. Claus can do better. This Santa's not very jolly. No, is all I'm saying. It's also weird that she force feeds him. Like that's really that, weird. Oh wait, to me. I forgot. That is a very toxic component of their relationship. They, they got problems. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. The Claus household is not as uh, shiny as it appears on the outside. I just also um, love that this is our adult rating of it. But as a child, you would not have thought anything of any of this. <laughs> as a child, I was like, yes, I would be disappointed in a skinny Santa. Thank you very much. Yeah. And now I'm like, let Santa be. <laughs> exactly. Let him do what he want to do. But also don't be a, but also don't be a dick. Okay. Yeah. Let him, let Santa do what he wants unless what he wants is to be a dick. But yeah, he was being an asshole all the way over to reindeer practice. He was already a little asshole to little bitty Rudolph kind of about his nose. And then he comes <laughs> over to reindeer Rudolph. practice. That's so cute. <laughs> he was cute. Ian, he was really cute. So we'll we'll talk through the whole reindeer games. But when Santa's a dick at the end of the reindeer games and he's like, Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm like, first off. Oh, I about blew a gasket. (laughs) You, me and Mrs. Claus would have blown a gasket at that. Like I was like, first off, we don't we only shame people for things they've done, not things that they are inherently. And he came off of this like adorable. She called me cute, like actually flew, like can do the job. Rudolph, best flyer of the bunch. But Santa's like, oh, but the nose, it's a shame. Now he can't be part of the team. Once again, Santa setting the tone. He allowed this bullying to happen. In fact, he implicitly encouraged it. Santa is villain. He also he also clearly does not provide dental insurance for his workers because there is no dentist in the North Pole. Hermie is the first and there is candy fucking everywhere and you know it. I do know that there's candy, but have we established whether or not one elves have teeth and two reindeer eat candy? 
Well, the elves also, I assume the elves eat the candy, not the reindeer. Yeah, but if it's part of the five food groups, as Buddy the Elf so helpfully laid out in Elf. (laughs) All I'm saying, no, but they do have teeth. I'm pretty sure Hermie flashes us his pearly whites at some point. I just, you know, I got to be Santa's advocate here. Santa doesn't need an advocate. Santa's fine. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, If the other elves don't have teeth, I bet it's because they didn't have proper dental care they're not making toys they're making dentures um (laughs) i think we should sue santa (laughs) let me know how that goes (laughs) i'll hire i'll hire uh mr gailey from the miracle on 34th street it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) but anyway clarice the doe is delightful although she breaks into this random song about oh shoot what was it about where's the song all the songs in this movie slap they're all very cute. They're also very short, which I appreciate. I'm like, get in, get out. Yeah. Who did the music? It was Johnny Marks. Love it. So same dude that did Rudolph the Red Red Nose Reindeer. Wow. How did I miss that? This is why you don't let me do background. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was because I can't help myself and you are happy to just let me do it. But I mean, that is also true, but... <laughs> No, she sings There's Always Tomorrow, which I really like because the words are there's it's uh, the words are there's always tomorrow for dreams to come true. It's so positive. But yes, I love that when uh, he goes over and like flirts with her and then finally works up the courage to like ask if he can walk her home. And she says, yes, I think you're cute. And he is so happy that she thinks he's cute, that he flies and then I love how everyone else is like, oh, my God, you flew. And he's like, no, 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 though. I'm, I'm cute. cute. <laughs> I'm cute. Did you Flying hear? doesn't matter. <laughs> and then Santa's like, well, he's got a red nose, so he can't pull the sleigh. And I'm like, Santa, obviously you can pull the sleigh. Fuck off, Santa. He cares about the nose. He's the best flyer and he's cute. Didn't you hear? Anyway, Clarice's dad ruins this and is like, no dough of mine. Because, of course, we have to continue with the, you know, ostracizing of Rudolph mm-hmm. and the patriarchy. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. Uh, this it movie's was not 60s. kind to dads. It's not. Um, but he does run into Herbie, Hermie almost exact like immediately. Well, Hermie, no, no, no. He doesn't run into Hermie. Hermie pops up from a snowdrift. Wait, didn't he like run into Hermie's snowdrift? He's like sitting down next to the snowdrift and then Hermie pops up from the snowdrift. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And this is where we get the reprise of the individual uh, misfit song. And I I don't know. Hermes's line about like, you can't fire me. I quit. Oh, you can't. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Why am I such a misfit? You can't fire me. I quit. Great song. Delightful. And then we get an interlude by Mr. Ives, Silver and Gold, which. Well, we don't get. Do we get. Silver and gold. I think we have to meet Yukon Cornelius first. My oh, you're right. Character. Sorry, I skipped over my favorite character. <laughs> He's the best. I love Yukon Cornelius. He's absurd on every level. And the character design is great. Like the way they play with the scale between the two puppets is wonderful. And his like zigzaggy mustache that sticks mm-hmm. straight out. He is a, I guess, prospector. He is loud. He is an expert on bumbles. Um, a abominable snowman. He can apparently pull the sled better than his dogs. Well, it's it's a good thing because his dogs won't pull the sled. <laughs> to be fair, though, they are a team of misfit dogs they consisting are. of a St. Bernard, a Dachshund, and multiple other dogs that are not sled dogs. Not huskies. This this is the one part, though, where I did notice the like dogs were stock still during most of the scenes. And I'm like, ooh, in another in a later film, all of them would have moved like real dogs. But it was still a delightful. Well, to be fair, we don't know if the dachshund was trying to move. It was mostly covered in snow. I feel like if I were buried in snow up to my ears, I probably would try and move to stay warm. <laughs> but the abominable snowman chases them out onto the ice fun fact i have trouble saying the word abominable so i'm just going to continue to call it the bumble because i also think that's funny it's a great shortening of abominable 
Yeah, they get away. Uh, Rudolph has also has says said multiple times in this little chase that like it can see his nose and it's following his nose. Um, this is a part that I remember as a child being feeling like so tense. Um, and it's it very short. It's a tense little chase, but it's a very short one. Uh, Yukon Cornelius chisels them their own little iceberg on the coast um, because he knows what the Bumble's weakness is. They sink. We get a lovely, I love this animation. I also love the Bumble's uh, character design. Um, but uh, we get the animation of him like sinking and then clawing his way back mm-hmm. out onto the shore. The way they animated water was really fun. It's really good. I really like it. And so our uh, our heroes sail on into the unknown. And I love the shot of them on their little iceberg with Rudolph's nose blinking is like the Borealis is above them. Mm-hmm. I also love the wordplay around pea soup and peanut butter for the fog. <laughs> it's like, let me eat what I want. That is yep. gold. So they end up on the Isle of Misfit Toys. Theme song is a banger. I might be my favorite song. It's either this or Holly Jolly are my Mm. favorite songs, but they're all really good. But this one's really, really good. I I think I like this one just because of the absurdity of misfit toys, like the cowboy on an ostrich. Like it's so good. It's so good. I'm a cowboy who rides (laughs) an ostrich. And I'm like, as a child, I would have loved that toy. Are you kidding me? That's the best toy. Um, I also love that they're meeting uh, Charlie in the box. Oh, and I love I love the when Rudolph's he's like, no kid would ever want to play with me. And they're like, why? And he's like, they're or they're like, kids love Jack in the boxes. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a Charlie in the box as if a kid would ever know. Right. It's absurd, <laughs> which I feel like, though, and I don't know if I'm reading too much into this. Um, it feels like it's the things that everyone's a misfit, like labeled a misfit for like the movie treats it as if it's such a big deal, but you're like, that's like, it's the smallest thing, which I, which I like to read as a commentary on like anytime you other people, it's always over something that like does not matter. Like it's the smallest little things. It's things that don't affect you. Like, Mm -hmm. That's what people get othered over. Um, so I'm going to read into that because I like that. That and Santa's a villain. Those are the two adult things I'm bringing to this <laughs> TV special. No, I completely agree. Like that. that's how the, the way that it is presented as, you know, family holiday content. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, these quote unquote misfit toys are adorable and people would play with them and want them. Like it, it is fitting within that larger commentary on, no, you're not actually a misfit. You're just being incorrectly told so. Or even if you are a misfit, it doesn't mean you're like unworthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, let's talk about how we mentioned it earlier about Donner being like, I must go find my son. I feel terrible now that he's missing. But no, Mrs. Donner, stay home. This is man's work. And then um, them running off. I do love later. I, I think it is actually later when Rudolph comes back and Santa's like, they went out looking for you and it's Christmas Eve and I need Donner back. It's not like they went out looking for you because it turns out they love you and we're so sorry that we ridiculed you and that I have set like a horrible um, exclusionary tone for this society that revolves exclusively around me and my holiday. Um, no, that's not why why Santa cares at all ever it's yeah he's uh mr business santa as it were (laughs) but anyway um aslan i'm sorry i mean king moon racer um allows i forget uh, that king moon racer exists (laughs) like i genuinely forget he exists every time he's kind of just like shoehorned in there for reasons that I don't understand other than to say that they can't stay on the island, which, you know, it's fine. But please go talk to Santa. Well, this brings me to another interesting point. Why does the other ruler in the vicinity not want to interface with Santa himself? Is there history there? Was Santa also a dick to this other ruler? Is there potential for a war between Misfit Island and Christmas? That's a show I would watch. 
the seventh Christmas war or something like that. Yeah. With your fleet of cowboys on ostriches going up against the elves riding reindeer. <laughs> the birds swimming and running like sub submarines down below. Yeah. 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 You have an good. Indiana Jones things on the side where everybody's trying to find the mythical bumble. I don't think they have to the search very side. much for that. Like they'll find that one. <laughs> it depends. Has he sunk? That's very true. It's bumbles can apparently swim. That is that is canon. They sink. They can pull themselves out, but they can sink. Exactly. Or they do sink. Or maybe they just walk along the bottom. I don't know. They sink, but wait, hang on. Bumbles sink, but they also bounce. What is the chemical composition of a bumble? Oh, did he sink and bounce off the bottom and then come back up? Is that what you're saying? Okay. That's my guess. Yeah. I, I think this is consistent television physics. I just need to know what the physics are of a bumble. If you have a, if a bumble is traveling <laughs> east at 30 miles per hour and a Yukon Cornelius is traveling west at a speed of zero miles per hour because the dogs won't mush. Will the bumble long bounce? <laughs> Will the bumble bounce? Amazing. So anyway, Rudolph decides to leave his friends because his nose is what attracted the bumble. This is this the scene that killed me as a heart. kid. It still kills oh. me as an adult, but I don't burst into tears the same way as when I was a kid. Was I a sensitive child? I'm starting to think so. I don't know. I think this is a, a, a reasonable thing to cry over. Thank you. Thank you. But he goes off on his own and we get a oh. montage of him Growing up, making friends, being shied away from those friends by the friend's parents. <laughs> I what the fuck is wrong with people? Why is everyone so freaked out by the red nose? Now, I say that. Understanding that if a human being walked up to me with a nose that was like glowing red, I would be a little taken aback initially, but I don't think I would be making moral judgments on that human. I think what I would say is, are you okay? And do we need to get you medical assistance? And then if they were like, no, ma'am, that's just my nose. I'd be like, okay, cool. It's prejudice is a crazy thing, Maggie. You're so right. You're so right. And all of this is a metaphor. I know. I know. I understand. But yes, it's fine. You're Rudolph absolutely allowed to be up. irate at a metaphor. <laughs> it's kind of the point. Thank you. <laughs> like. Thank you. Um, I will be irate at a metaphor. Um, this is when Rudolph kind of makes the decision of like, well, I can't run away from my problem, so I'm going to go back. I need to see my family um, and Clarice. And he goes back and everyone continue. No one in Christmas town has matured. <laughs> well, they've grown up, but they're still teasing him for being a red nosed reindeer. That's when Santa comes in and he's like, yes, they went looking for you. And I'm not sorry at all. I just need your dad back. I don't care about your mom, whose name I have no idea what it is. And I don't care about Clarice, but I just need your dad back because like I got to I got to pull the sleigh. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, and Rudolph's like. Well, I guess I'll go find them then. Yeah, I, I'm also kind of like who just like leaves for months, if not years. I think it's months. Search. I think it's established as months. OK, there, he is their one and only child. Yeah, that they apparently didn't. Well, OK, I understand why Mrs. Donner went. I don't understand why Mr. Donner went. Um, I feel like there is a psych like a complex psychological profile that can be done for Mr. Donner and his projection of all of his goals on his. OK, well, we're going to put that back on the shelf. <laughs> Um, anyway, Rudolph, because he is a pure, wonderful soul, goes to save everyone. And I hear I have an, another question, and that is, how did all three of them get captured by the Bumble? The Bumble knows what he's doing. Like somehow all like none of none of Donner, Mrs. Donner or Clarice managed to get away. Like 
all of them got captured. I, I have a hypothetical for you, Maggie. I feel like Clarice would have at least abandoned the other. Like, let's, we can argue that Donner and Mrs. Donner love each other enough to stay and fight for one another. But surely Clarice would have run. She doesn't owe either of them. While I agree, you're assuming that they have the physical capability of outrunning a giant snow yeti. Hermy, Yukon Cornelius, his, all of Yukon Cornelius's dogs and Rudolph did. OK, but Yukon Cornelius is faster than a reindeer. You heard it here, folks. Grandma got run over by Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> Apparently, that is the real version of the song, and anything else is just propaganda. Allegedly, but, allegedly. <laughs> don't think too hard, because it allows Hermie and Yukon Cornelius to rescue them. Best rescue ever. Oh, wait, because Rudolph also got captured. Well, because Yes, because yeah. well, Rudolph tries to save Clarice because the Bumble's literally about to eat her. Um, he gets bonked on the head because... Bless, we love Rudolph. He's not the smartest, most capable necessarily, unless it's flying or guiding sleighs through fog. But I love the way that Hermie has to pretend to be a pig. It's the worst impression of a pig. <laughs> Just what? <laughs> He's like, oink, oink, oink. <laughs> Did you hear Patrick in the background? He's like, oink, oink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Yukon Cornelius uh, chisels out the boulder and bops the bumble on the head so that Hermie can then remove all of his teeth. That is a little like hack dentist situation going on. And I'm a little bit like Hermie. They did anesthetize the bumble first, though. I, I feel like your definition of anesthetize is a little broad, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> Was it like a Looney Tunes mallet to the head kind of deal? Yes. It was cartoon violence, Maggie. <laughs> all I'm saying is, and Hermie got all the teeth out. I, the bumble didn't seem to be in pain, just in confusion. <laughs> and then Yukon Cornelius went down with him to the bottom of the ravine. Tackles the bumble off a crevasse. Good on you, Yukon. Oh, that also used to get like as a kid, especially the first time I saw it. Very sad. Up. And they're like, oh, no, Yukon Cornelius. Well, it's really best if we get the women back to Christmas town. Oh my god, that line still just what? In it's the weirdly world? specific. Just be like they decided it was best to go back to Christmas town. It's fine. It's so fine. So anyway, Santa has an awakening when all of a sudden he can't do the thing he wants to do, and now Rudolph has something that will help. Weird how Santa's like, I accept you. Now that you're useful to me. Okay. Can I just point out for a minute that Santa has always been that transactional? Like you have to be nice. <gasps> That's true. But, but like, but like, no, no, no. But that's not necessarily transactional. That's a moral judgment because whether you're naughty or nice, you're not doing something specifically for Santa. He's just making a moral judgment on your character. Okay. That's fair. His being like, and I don't even think he ever says, I'm so sorry, Rudolph, that I built a society that allowed you to be bullied for something so out of your control. And that which in the end is has, says nothing about your character or ability. Um, I'm pretty sure he's just like, well, Christmas is canceled. And then he's like, Rudolph, Rudolph, please, your nose, Rudolph, please just turn that thing off. And then he's like, wait, you can do a thing for me now. And then poor little Rudolph, poor sweet little innocent Rudolph is like, yes, sir. It would be an honor because he's been brainwashed by the cloth machine. I this is something that I think you should write. You know, I bet you I could write an ethics thesis. about. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> could fill up at least five to seven pages. Oh, easy. Easy with the transgressions Mr. Claus has in this thing. Absolutely. But anyway, they get going. I love how Donner is somehow not in the the sleigh team. That confused me. Um, 
Maybe he resigned. Ah, yeah, maybe. I really also hate, sorry, this is a random aside. The intonation of a ready Santa. I hate it. I hate the delivery of that line so much. And it's completely irrational. But I think really the the last scene we're left with is well one Yukon Cornelius finding his peppermint mine, which is adorable. It's when we have Holly Jolly Christmas, which is also a fantastic song. And that's where they're throwing the misfit toys off with umbrellas, which is just the cutest thing. Yeah, they do go. (laughs) They do go back and get the misfits. Oh, and when Dolly and Charlie in the box are sitting there and they're like, well, I guess they're not going to come get us this year because of the fog and like just another year. And Dolly's like, I don't know if I can wait another year. And then they're like, wait, it's Santa come to get us. And Rudolph's leading the way. That was adorable. Oh, so cute. That scene was actually not in the original airing. So one other change that I didn't. Really? uh, Yeah, I I think it's It's so good. I I would cut Cornelius's peppermint mine over the trip to Misfit Island, if I'm being honest. I think it's funnier if he can just taste silver and gold. Agreed. (laughs) It doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I do love him returning and leading the bumble in. I have a couple notes of his exact dialogue because it's frankly bonkers. First off, he has the thing where he's like, he's like, no, I'm fine because guess what? Bumbles bounce. And I don't know why, but I think that line's hilarious. And then he also goes, says, I reformed this bumble. He wants a job. <laughs> I'm like, cool. That's the immediate concerns of the bumble. I a think job. It's so funny. Well, he can't hunt now. He has no teeth. Doesn't he have claws or something? I guess. But like, how's he going to like, he's going to need someone to. I don't know. Does he have opposable thumbs to use a knife? Can't he like manufacture his own food that won't require like, does he have access to a blender for smoothies? I don't know. Could you imagine like a mountain goat smoothie for the bumble? <laughs> I think that's I think that's where he's at. I think that's what's gonna have to happen. And so I think he's gonna need the help from the elves. So I think he's gonna have to engage it. I don't know exactly what economic system Christmas Town is under. I would assume capitalism based on it being an American special from the 1960s, but like they never really go into it. So I he's gonna just have to he needs a job and needs to engage with whatever system is in place because he no longer has tea. Poor guy. Uh, we can only be so sorry for the bumble. He was about to eat Clarice. That That is very true. Like, very, very true. So, anyway, delightful. Great time. Santa's the villain. Santa's the villain, man. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I do. No, I, but I, I really do love this special. Yeah. And I think it's really clear watching it back as an adult why it does have the staying power. Because d- despite all of the things that we brought up around certain parts not aging well, like on the whole, like its core theme, I think still does resonate with modern audiences. And I don't really see that. Well, I'm not about to say that I don't see that changing. It's not out of the question, but the main characters like Rudolph Hermie and Yukon Cornelius are all like very fun, memorable, good characters. Yeah. Um, so we love all of them. I, like I said, I think this was one that we probably ended up watching every year as I was growing up just cause we would stumble across it. Um, I'm curious to know from listeners, like, was that the case for you guys? Were there any of these other specials from like the same group that you also would watch every year? Cause I think Rudolph was definitely the one I'm most familiar with. I think I've seen a couple others, but not like not nearly as many times. Yeah, this one, well, yeah, longest running Christmas TV special, but it is. It's longer than the Grinch. A pretty. Sh- yeah. When was Grinch? 66. <gasps> Beat it by two years. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend. And a cute, again, cute little snack of a film. Really good. If you have young kiddos, although maybe the bumble would be too scary for some kiddos. I don't know. The The short answer is yes, but also it's really cute. It's really cute. <laughs> it's really, really cute. I know that on our last special episode, my statement that Oogie Boogie was cute was a little bit controversial. I don't think my statement that the Bumble is cute is controversial. I can see your point of view about Oogie Boogie. 
Oogie Boogie looked huggable until we found out he was made of bugs. And then not huggable. Bumble, also huggable. And I think my favorite shot of the Bumble is when he realizes his teeth are missing and he puts his fingers in his mouth and is like, what the fuck? I did feel kind of bad for the Bumble at that point because I'm like, the Bumble's just being the Bumble. That's just his nature. It's true. You can't be mad at the Bumble for bumbling. But we also really love Clarice and he was going to eat Clarice. If he'd been about to eat Donner. <laughs> no problems. But you can't have the date, the the not damsel in distress. <laughs> She has saved Rudolph emotionally. Now he gets to save her physically. I do love the scene where after the reveal of his nose, everyone's making fun of him and Clarice chases him down and is like, no, like I like your nose. It is really cute. I think that it's different. It's really cute and everything. And I like when they're walking and they're walking cheek to cheek and it's so cute. Well, thanks for sticking with us through this episode and through an interesting year of the best Pictures podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't remember what we started the year on. Maybe Braveheart. It might have been Braveheart. It yeah, we, Braveheart. we we slowed down the pace this year. There was a lot going on with both of us. We did. We had a we had a lot of scheduling difficulties this year. Um, but hoping that won't be the case next year. Um if you enjoyed this episode, please listen to, uh, I mean, any of our other episodes, but particularly our holiday episodes. Uh, we just did Nightmare Before Christmas before this. We have like five years worth of Christmas special coverage and stuff. We've done a lot of classics. Um, the Grinch special, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas in Connecticut, It's a Wonderful Life, a bunch of stuff like that. Um we will be kicking off 2024 with an, another list reordering episode that will be similar to past list reordering episodes we've done, kind of where we just revisit maybe um, some re-ranking some things be- based on like having had more time to like sit with them and think about them. Um, but we are also going to do something a little different this year. And Ian and I are each going to pick a previous winner for the other person to cover again, to watch again and kind of come back and say like, did their opinion change on it at all? Um, so if anyone has movies that you're like dying to have us revisit, um, particularly if there's like, you want one of us, like you're like, Oh, I really want Ian to revisit this one. I really want Maggie to revisit this one. Uh, let us know. We are definitely down for suggestions. We will not be doing, uh, any of the three longest running best picture winners. So Ben Hur, Lawrence of Arabia and Gone with the Wind are out. I also like I'm going <laughs> to be honest. We don't have that time around the holidays. Schindler's List is probably out for me as well. Like, oh, yeah. It's very hard to watch. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I think probably not anything super recent. Yeah. yeah. Probably nothing. We're probably not going to revisit anything from the 90s. Most likely 80s either. Going to make you watch American Beauty. Watch me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would die. Just Maggie would it kill me. This year. I don't I don't need to see it again. That one's not my opinion won't change on that one. I can tell you right now. Um but yeah, so uh if you have any suggestions about what movies you want to hear us cover on that episode, um you can definitely reach out to us on Instagram. We are at Best Pictures Pod or uh you can email us at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review. We appreciate it. And we hope you have a good new year. We'll catch you in 2024.